Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today's program is part of a series we're calling We Are MCU. It's a chance to get to know the organizers, leaders, and sustainers of MCU and learn about what motivates us to do the work. Today, my guest is Barbara Johnson, a former parents' teacher, ed educator, and an organizer with MCU Education Task Force. Welcome, Barbara, and thank you for being here. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. So let's just start with a little bit of a background personally. Uh, where did you grow up? Are you a St. Louis native, or did you find your way to the area? Well, actually, I'm, I'm not a St. Louis native. I was actually born in uh, the Delta in Mississippi. Uh, I was born in one of the civil rights towns, Belzona, Mississippi. And my parents um, came from the South. Uh, one of those, they were one of those families that were fleeing all of the oppression of the South and wanted a better, safer life for their kids. So uh, they moved here when I was probably three or four years old. So I was raised here, but I wasn't born here. Okay. So do you remember much of your you're growing up in, in Mississippi or is that just too far well, back? Well, the, the part that I do remember is luckily my parents, both my parents still had loads of relatives still mm. you know, living there. So my dad, his mom was still living there. So my dad would actually send money back home to help support her and his other younger siblings. And every year on his vacation, he worked for one of those, um, uh, processing meat processing plants. He worked for Mayro's processing plants. So on his vacation, every summer, we would drive to Mississippi. So I did that with, with our family for years. So those are the times that I really remember. Not, not before three or four years old, but a lot later on. Yeah. So going back for those family visits. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So tell us, uh, tell me about your career. I know you worked uh, with parents as teachers. Uh, how did you come to that? And, and why did, why was that something that you got into? Well, actually, I kind of got into it uh, by default. I was working for the state of Missouri Department of Mental Health, and I worked for them for 14 years. And I worked as a mini computer operator and they were moving our department to Jefferson City. And I could not relocate to Jefferson City. So I was, I was laid off. And I thought, okay, what do I do now? So I thought I was gonna do home daycare. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and because I had a neighbor that was doing home daycare and it kind of inspired me to do that. So I looked into doing that and I had a, a, a person come out and look at my home and see if it was, um, you feasible to have home daycare. And she told me a couple of things that I needed to do to the home in order to qualify for that. And then I thought, well, maybe I need to take a couple of classes just to see if that's really my niche. So I enrolled in the uh, community college in the early childhood program. 
fell totally in love with the coursework, totally in love. So I just kept taking the coursework. And in the meantime, my son was dating a young lady who worked for an agency as a nanny. So I needed to work after my employment ran out. So I went to work for the agency. And so I would go to school and I did work with the agency for quite about 11 years. And I decided to put the home daycare on the back burner. One of our instructors invited a home, a uh, parent educator to our class one evening. And she talked about her job and the things that she did. And it was for one of the county districts. And I had a girlfriend that worked for the city in the early childhood program. And I asked her to keep an eye out for me in case those positions came open. And one did. And I applied for the position and and got hired in the St. Louis City Public Schools as a parent educator. Meanwhile, still going to school, getting those credentials. Okay. And I never did do the home daycare. (laughs) Still a possibility, huh? Oh, no. No, I'm retired and having fun. <laughs> Those little ones can be a handful, too, can't they? Oh, yeah. They're fun, though. <laughs> right. Uh, so remind folks what Parents as Teachers is. That that sort of held a unique place, holds a unique place in the public school uh, relationship, if you will. Absolutely. Parents as Teachers was started here in Missouri uh, by Mildred Winters and, and, and uh, a couple of other political people. Um, And it was started, I believe, in the Wellston School District. And primarily, it was started to help parents with their children prenatal through age five through kindergarten, giving them uh, some basic information about their child's development before they went to kindergarten. Because they found in our area that a lot of of children, especially the minority children, African-American children and other children of color, were behind when they reached kindergarten. And so this was an opportunity to to give those parents the basic information they needed to start educating their children at home to prepare them for kindergarten. And as um, statistics has shown that those kids who who were enrolled in kindergarten did much better even later on, even up to, you know, first, second, third grade, they did much better. So the program, initially was started to do that, to educate the parents, because they were the first teachers of their children. Okay, so you actually went from initially wanting to take care of kids to you're almost, you're, you're then educating parents, young, young parents, obviously. Um, yeah. uh, that, that, that was a little bit of a change right there, too. Oh, absolutely. And the the thing about the program, and it, it's in every school district in the state of Missouri, and there was no qualifier. You just had to be a parent or a grandparent or the guardian. And um, even I've even done visits in a daycare center with the with the teacher to leave information for the parent to pick up. Uh, we, we did everything we could to accommodate the parent and to be able to work with their schedule. So we would do visits during the week, in the evenings, in the mornings, in the afternoons, on the weekends, if we had to, uh, just so we could get that information to the parents. Hey, what, what about that work really energized you and, and, and kept, you, kept you doing it? Well, it energized me just to be able to work with a pop, the population that most needed it. You know, there's always been some um, some 
inequities in the, in the school system, where our schools were and how they were functioning, materials that were needed. So it seemed as if we were always playing catch up as African-American people and, and other people of color. So to me, it was an opportunity to get in there and to give our families the, the foundation, the structure to help build on what their child would learn later on in the school system. So it energized me in the way of also breaking down myths within our own community. And one of those myths that was um, really kind of hard to break through was that if you hold your baby, you'll spoil your baby. That's one of the myths that the African-American culture held on to uh, coming from you know, the, the history that we came from and, and giving them that information and seeing how some of some, especially the younger, younger parents would say, oh, I didn't believe that anyway. But my mom said that if the baby's not crying, put the baby down, you know, so they had all of these, these generational because they were living in generational homes as well. You know, some of them were young parents, some of them were teen parents, some of them were little older parents, but still living in a multi-generational home. So they were being influenced by that older generation in some of these older myths. So just being able to bring that information and even to share my own personal stories with them helped to, helped to just satisfy the work that I was doing and to be able to see instant results. So that was big motivation. Oh yeah. And, and I imagine for, especially for a young mother, uh, just that voice saying it's okay yes. is, is a big one. I mean, every, every new mother, first time mother goes through the same doubts and you were there to say it's okay. And I'm sure yes. that was a big relief too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big relief. So it was just enjoyable work as well as uh, tying the nanny uh, work into it as well. Uh, I worked all over oh my gosh, all over the metropolitan area in St. Louis, uh, in people's homes of all financial structures doing the nanny work. And I carried my parents as teachers experience as well as my, my degree in early, early childhood development in those homes as well. So the knowledge, people think, well, you know, if you're, if you're on this scale, economically on a higher economic scale, you should know these things, but you'd be surprised at how many homes I went into, you know, that were wealthy people or higher middle income people that were almost the same as some of the families I saw in oppressed areas, as far as knowing the development of their child, they were seeking information as well. So that was also a great field to be in, just to be a nanny. You got a nice perspective of, of sort of the the landscape of the the area in in child development and what's what some people have and what some people don't have. Then, absolutely. So let's move on to to coming into working in MCU. So how did you learn about MCU and why did you decide to take that step to become involved? Well, my my activism goes back to actually my parents and growing up in the neighborhood. My parents rented. Uh, from a Jewish lady. We lived in a two-family 
flat. We lived upstairs and neighbors lived downstairs, but it was a residential area. It was all homeowners and well, not all homeowners, but mostly homeowners and some renters. And they had a very strong block unit back in the days. And my parents were a part of that, especially my mom, because she didn't work in the earlier years when we moved to St. Louis. And, um, and it was, it was to keep the block uh, just unified and knowing who was on the block and what kids lived there and keeping our alleys clean. And so they had meetings all the time and I would go with my mom. So as I grew up and, and became um, a young adult myself and married, I continued in that process. When we bought our home, I, I sought out the group and that was in my community to uh, go to their meetings and find out what was going on in the community, uh, get acquainted with the uh, politicians that represented my area, getting acquainted with the police department and uh, just, you know, who was who was involved with traffic and crime and they come to our meetings. So I've always kind of been on that path because that's what I was shown growing up. So MCU was when I was in my... Um, I belong to uh, Our Lady of the Holy Cross, and then we merged with um, with Holy Cross, and there was an organizer already uh, working in in that church, and I was asked to be a part of whatever whatever thing was going on. We had a lot going on in our church community that needed help. So those were the issues we were working on at first. So that's how I got involved because my church was involved. It, it churches do a lot of things and, yes. it, and, you know, from feeding people to collecting money, things along those lines. What, yes. what, but the MCU is a bit different. Can you talk about how, it, what drew you to sort of the different work that MCU does as opposed to just collecting clothes for? Because I am a strong activist and I have seen and experienced a lot of negativity in in all walks of my life, not just in one area, with housing, with jobs, with uh, all sorts of discrimination, all sorts of oppression and all sorts of uh, unfairness. So aside from what my church was doing, I needed more. And I saw that the organizer was, was really in touch with what our community needed from the politicians, from the people in charge. And those organizers from MCU that I experienced really worked to target the people that would make the most uh, effective change in the community. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for someone hardcore (laughs) who was doing hardcore work. The work our church was doing was, was wonderful work, but we needed to make a change and lift people up, not just to give to people to keep them where they are. And that's what I saw that the organizers of MCU were, were doing. And that's what motivated me to, to be a part of MCU in any capacity and work with the issues that were, that were addressed in my church, as well as the broader issues of the community. Okay, great. It, I almost get the feeling like you had, you've been doing uh, work with individuals for a long time. And, and I almost feel like the, the sense that I'm getting is that 
you were tired of, of almost seeing the same situations over and over again. And, and your Absolutely. question now was, how do we fix the system instead of keep treading water? Yes, absolutely. And actually, that's where I am now. I'm, I'm always seeking. Um, everyone has their their passion of how and what and 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 when they want to get involved in, in issues that they're passionate with. I'm like that, too. But then after a while, when I see that we're just still, uh, as, if I can use your phrase, treading water. And we're not getting a lot of movement, but this the opposition are gaining ground more and more, and we're losing ground more and more. Then I'm always looking to push, push back and 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 move and move a little harder, push a little harder, because that's what we're gonna get. I mean, that's the only way we'll get anything done. And I mean push by meaning using our voices, using our our politicians that we vote to put in office. They work for us. We don't work for them. So so yes, I'm always looking to to push the envelope. That that brings me to one of my my next questions is uh, you were talking about getting involved with politicians and politics and trying to affect change that way. Now, a lot of times, especially in churches, politics is a dirty word and we want to keep out of that. So, so what do you say to someone who, who sort of wants to keep politics at arm's length? Why is it necessary for us to be involved with our politicians? Well, because we are voters. Hopefully, all of us are voters. That is one of the essential rights of us as Americans. If we don't use it, then it'll be abused against us. It'll be used against us as what's happening now in so many states with these oppressive voting laws. It should not be difficult to be able to vote. So we have to keep moving in a direction that is going to benefit the masses. We're never going to we're never going to benefit every single individual. But if you get out and use your vote to vote for the people that you think are working for your cause, and I mean the cause of the common good, people think, well, I voted for Trump, and that's my right to vote for him. But that's not for the common good. Just just using your vote to vote for your own personal agenda. And you know that the masses of people are suffering from voter oppression or they're suffering from uh, this governor who won't mandate uh, shots or whatever is going on that's going to help the whole community, not just your own personal agenda. We have to think bigger than that. So using your vote is, is one way of, of showing your politician and kind of getting them to pay attention to you because when you call them or when you when you leave them emails or any type of communication that you do, they're going to look at your voting record. They're going to see how often you vote and which way you vote. You know, so, and those are some of the ways we can hold them accountable and push them into doing what they say they're going to do on their campaigns. Uh, when I lived in the city and the person whatever person was running for mayor. And when they won, I went to every meeting they had. 
to the point where even if it was in South St. Louis and I lived in North St. Louis, I went to their meeting just to see what are you saying on this part of town that's different when you're in this part of town. And believe me, I experienced that. I experienced it to the point where I called the mayor's office and challenged them on that. And then they made it kind of difficult for me to find out where the next meetings were. <laughs> so getting involved with your politicians and many ways of holding their feet to the fire is one of the things that we have to do. And it sounds like in that answer, there's a lot of purpose in what you're talking about. That brings me to my next question, which is, how does this tie into your faith as a Christian, as a religious person? Um, you know, what what keeps you seeing it as a as a that our goal needs to be for the greater good instead of just for self. How do you, how do you see your faith reflected in this work? That's an interesting question, Kevin, because it seems as if my faith is always tested in this fight. Because I see so many people and so many groups say, well, we're doing this, you know, because we're people of faith and we're people of faith. But they seem to be doing it because they're people of faith and and they do it at a marginal level. We have no reason to be at this point where we are in our society today if all people of faith were doing what Jesus did when he walked the earth. So that tells me that all of these people of faith who are saying this, they're not true to that faith because their actions aren't showing that. You can sit around, you can have meetings and you can have educational pieces and you can have all of that, but where is the action? Jesus did not just sit and preach in the synagogues and the temples. He was out amongst people performing miracles and doing things to help the marginalized people. So it my, my faith, I have to almost put on blinders so I don't get discouraged with the people, not the faith, not my faith and not my belief, but what, what people are saying about their faith. And then what I see them not doing. So that's, that's a challenge for me. What, what, what continues to motivate you and give you hope? You said you get a little bit discouraged by what you see going on. Uh, what, what continues to, to keep you in the fight? I heard this phrase and I, and I really liked it and I've adapted it. I'm built off of African-American history. That's what I'm built off of. That's what keeps me going. The history of my people. The, the things that, that they went through, just even just going back to my parents, I don't have to go back really far to, um, to keep, to keep my spirits up, to keep me going. And also to make, not just in a, in a negative way, but in a positive way, because there's so many, many wonderful, positive contributions from the beginning of our existence in this country, our enslavement all the way to this very day to be proud of. And, and everyone in America should be proud of, of each culture that has come here to make us what we are, today, the better part of what we are today, not the worst part of what we are today, because we've always had that. We've had the better part and we've had the worst part. But acknowledging that, living with that, giving, giving credence to both, to both the good and the bad 
is 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 really important to me, and to me, it's important to every generation. So that's those are the things that keep me going. I couldn't re- disrespect my parents, their parents, my great grandparents, and 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 uh, my lineage by giving up, because I'm living easy. I'm living easy compared to even my parents and 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 further back than them. So why would I give up when they had it so hard? Okay, great. So what's what's been your most memorable uh, action or activity that you've participated in with MCU? What kind of sticks out for you? You know, what really sticks out to me is, and and this is across the board, but when I when I first got Uh, introduced with MCU and the organizers. The organizers were just really powerful people to me. They really got to know our congregation. They really got to really uh, dive into the issues that our congregation was concerned about in our immediate uh, church community and how hard they worked in order to move us and, and all of us weren't, uh, the congregation weren't always moving in the same direction. I was a, one of the people that wanted to kind of go hard on, on our politicians. Once we, because we had been dealing with them for years. And we had other people in our congregation who didn't want to do it that way because some of the politicians were actually members of our church. So the organizer had a very hard line in order to, figure out, well, how can I satisfy both groups, you know? So I really admired them and worked with them as much as I could. And I think they had a tremendous, tremendously hard job. And I think that everyone that I've been exposed to in MCU, every organizer has been just um, a a source of of inspiration and and just being able to stick to it because that's what they have, stick to itness. <laughs> definitely so, definitely so. Um, so what what are you currently excited about about what MCU is doing? Well, um, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm excited about all of the campaigns. The environmental justice campaign <clears throat> is really great and I really like the way it's framed because a lot of people think that environmental justice is the air that we breathe and the water that we drink and asthma and lead and those kind of things, but it's much broader than that. So our environmental justice has brought in its housing as well. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, the things that cause the asthma, it's not just the air. Sometimes it's, you know, the stuff that's in our home environment, the lead, you know, in the many blinds, not just the pipes in the water. So I like that aspect. I also really like the, um, the, um, Family Partners Program, helping the, the youth that are that are involved in, in so much of the criminal justice system in some of these school districts. Uh, I think our kids are thrust into those way too, way too frivolously when other children are not. Um, and I also like the uh, Break the Pipeline campaign where, you know, we're, we were addressing the MOUs in the different school districts and how the kids under third grade were being, you know, um, put out of school for 
minor things and these little kids are sitting at home and 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 that was detrimental to the to the child especially and the parents so all of those campaigns have meant a lot to me i'm so um i'm so spread out with my issues and i'm always encouraged by everybody in mcu to rein it in and i'll tell you kevin that is so hard for me because i'm the type of person that when I see any, any unfairness or inequality or in, any injustice, then I, then I need to participate as much as I can to eradicate that, even if it's just sending an email or even if it's just making a phone call. I feel like I have to do something. And I have been affected in so many areas of our life. It's just hard for me to just say, oh, this is the one thing that I'm going to do and nothing else. And I think that's great for those people that can do that. I understand that. And it seems like these days it's it's one issue right on top of the next, isn't it? Absolutely. So, so I just wanted to close out with, okay, uh, speak to our listeners now. They're they're thinking about becoming involved with MCU or or becoming a sustainer. Give give us that pitch. Why why should our listeners uh consider joining us in in uh supporting MCU? Well, creating positive change in the world can seem overwhelming. And it's difficult to find good information and to know how we can effectively uh, contribute. And you can effectively contribute in so many ways. There are so many people. um, There are things that I can't do now that I did maybe five years ago, like canvassing. I've canvassed. I can't canvas now, but I can do something else. I can contribute. I can contribute. Um, and I'm on a fixed income. I am retired. But still, uh, I feel like if I can eat out, I can contribute money t- to people to canvas where I can't, <laughs> you know, because that work needs to be done. So um, anyway, I think another important part of being involved with MCU is doing your homework. Whatever it is that you feel passionate about, if it's environmental justice or, or the kids in school and what's happening with them and their families, do a little research. It is so easy to have, you know, we have these magnificent cell phones <laughs> that you can Google almost anything, which is a baseline start on information and and do your research, get a little bit more information about what you're passionate about. So I think it's important that people know that this is a place where you can come MCU and you can contribute and you can uh, uh, use your voice and you can use your talents and you can use your skills, whatever that may be, they can be used in MCU. So I think it's important for people to know that. And you can come and go as you will. I had a point in my life where I was a caregiver for my mom and she got very ill. So I had to back off just a little bit. And then I replaced my physical being also, I always contributed, I always contribute financially. But when I backed off, then I kicked it up a little bit more because I wasn't physically there like I wanted to be as well as monetarily. So there's lots of ways to get involved and lots of reasons to be involved with MCU. Okay, great. Thank you very much today, Barbara Johnson, a former parents' teachers, educator, and organizers for the MCU Education Task Force. If you are ready to join us in this work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484 or email us at 
office at mcustl.com. That's our email address. But if you want to learn more about us directly, you can go to our website, which is mcustlewis.org. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.